Let's start uh, with the probably the biggest piece of news that's happened in Detroit since uh, we last spoke with you, and that is that your police chief, who everyone was uh, quite fond of, or at least most people seem to be, uh, and a very effective job given a tough year this past year, has decided to uh, retire at the end of the month and go on to other things. Tell us when you found out about that, what your initial reaction was. Did you try to talk him out of it? How did it go down? Uh, it was, uh, I don't remember, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was a surprise, and I encouraged him to uh, think about uh, uh, how much he enjoys his job now and how miserable uh, uh, political campaigning is, and suggested <laughs> he, he hang around, but uh, he's, uh, he's made his decision, and fortunately, we, we have a really strong group of assistant chiefs to choose from. And I, I feel really good about uh, Chief James White. I think he's going to do a great job. How did you make that selection? What did you base well, it on? Well, I, I talked to uh, the two existing assistant chiefs at length, and, and um, Assistant Chief White left last fall uh, to join the state of Michigan as the head of the Civil Rights uh, Commission. And I sat with him, and, you know, when... Uh, Chief Craig, a year ago at the height of the COVID crisis, uh, went down with COVID himself. Uh, James White stepped in and ran that department uh, through that very difficult period. He did it extremely competently, calmly. Everybody rallied behind him. And uh, in my mind, uh, he, he was a big city police chief anytime he wanted to be. And so I encouraged him to come back to his first love. If we... We're assessing what Chief Craig did during his time here. Uh, what would you put as one, two, and three of, of, of what you think his biggest accomplishments were? Well, I think he stabilized the department. Uh, there had been five chiefs in five years before he got here. Uh, the uh, 911 response time was terrible. Uh, several of the precincts had been closed. The ones that were open locked their doors at five o'clock at night so citizens couldn't get in. Uh, officers were on mandatory 12-hour shifts. I have no idea what the logic was behind that, but the morale was terrible. People were quitting. Uh, and so I think when he came in, uh, he, he established uh, a level of professionalism where the precincts were open, where the officers were working reasonable shifts. Uh, we got response time down. Uh, and, and I think the department has run much more professionally. How about over the course of the last 15 months? Uh, well, you know, you start with 600 uh, officers in quarantine on COVID, uh, and then you go from there into the protest after the murder of George Floyd. And... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We almost this made was it. what I feared. We almost made That's it. not good. We almost made it. Made to Stephen Smith pause. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be, could be a Stephen A. Smith dramatic pause. You there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we lo- we, we thought weird. you were doing this Stephen A. Smith. I'm <laughs> pausing uh, gap. gap for emphasis, <laughs> which but is no. not wrong, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that talented. <laughs> okay, well, you know, you have time. You're a young man. <laughs> you could develop that talent. <laughs> Uh, you were you were in the middle of sort of saying you know what what he inherited the the COVID situation and all the rest of that and yeah. then uh, starting yeah to move and I into think you know we we went through this last year between COVID and uh, in the protests which uh, I thought he handled well 
Uh, and the big issue now has been that the you know courts all around the country were shut down in COVID, and we're seeing violent crime soaring everywhere. Uh, and now we need to move on and deal with that. And the judges are working on opening the courts. Prosecutor Worthy is all over staffing up uh, to deal with the 2,200 outstanding gun felonies we have. U.S. attorneys ready to to chip in, and I think uh, you're going to see Chief White take this on as his first order of business. Mm. Uh, you know the the nickname lately for Police Chief Craig has been Hollywood, and he has done a lot of media. He's he's frequently on Fox News. He's frequently on a lot of programs, actually. As a mayor, are, are you bothered by that at all? Do you feel that towards the towards the end here, he was doing a little too much media? You know, uh, he he never uh, saw a camera he didn't like. Uh, but he and I spent a lot of time talking about, you know, philosophy, the difference between uh, having substance to communicate and being on camera uh, to be on camera. And I think he did a nice job uh, uh, over the years of making a point that uh, when an incident happened and the public needed to be informed, uh, he made it a point to be out there promptly and tell people the truth as, as best he knew. And I think I, I probably had a positive effect on him. Uh, maybe uh, not having as many appearances where where there wasn't pressing news. Uh, but I think the public appreciated the fact that when something big happened, he would stand up and tell people the truth as best he had the facts at the time. I think the community has come to expect that. And uh, I think Chief White is going to have to have a similar uh, kind of approach. Do you think the uh, that stuff notwithstanding, and I agree with you, he did a lot of that here in Detroit, and we all appreciated having a police chief who, who was right out in front and was talking about wasn't hiding things. But there were also a lot of national interviews, interviews about the state of the country, interviews about the state of policing in the country or, or uh, governor's attitudes towards policing, mayor's attitudes towards policing. Uh, you know, there's no denying he, he gained a very high profile over the course of the last, I don't know, five or six months, maybe even longer. Do you think that that in any way played into his decision to uh, leave the force and, and, and seek what everybody seems to be the worst kept secret, but it seems like he's going to uh, go for political office. That certainly increased his profile. Yeah, no, I think it may have been the reverse. I think there was something inside him that wanted to pursue this, and and that was part of his, uh, his overall strategy. But as long mm -hmm. as he did his job well uh, running the Detroit Police Department, you know, um, the... Uh, uh, you know, I didn't really get into micromanaging uh, all of what interview he did. Do, do you, is it your belief that he'll run for governor? I don't know. Uh, so he'll he'll make his own announcement in his own time. I'm focused right now on uh, the transition to the uh, to, to Chief White and the administration here and getting this violence down. That's really all we're talking about now. And and James Craig will do, you know, make whatever career choice he makes. Last question on him. Uh, could you support him for governor if he's running on the okay. Republican ticket? You know, I, I've said this before. I, Gretchen Whitmer has just been an outstanding partner for the city of Detroit, and I would support her no matter who is running against her. So. Is she running again? I assume. I, I, why would you assume? I, I, I'm not sure. Okay, well, based on my conversation with her, I think there's okay. a high degree Then it's better than an assume. Good. You yes. just gave us some information there. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for that. Let me ask you about our, our COVID-19 effort. So the Ford Field uh, uh, eight-week uh, operation closed. They were aiming, I think, for about 330,000 uh, vaccinated. They fell about 60,000 short. So they got about 80% 
I would say, of, of, of what they hope to do. Uh, what struck me was that it was a very low, I think it was only 7% of Detroiters got it. Now, I know it was open to everybody, so there wasn't some kind of rule. But are you disappointed that there weren't larger numbers, given that it was in, right in downtown Detroit? No, we never uh, believed Ford Field was going to attract Detroiters, and it wasn't something we were engaged with because you had options. Uh, if you lived in Detroit, you could get an appointment the next day to drive through the TCF Center not leave your car. Uh, and on Saturdays, you could walk in and church locations near your house. So if you had a choice as a Detroiter, uh, it's much easier to do the drive through at TCF than go to a parking structure at Ford Field, get out of your car, go inside, wait in line. So we knew from the beginning, you had people in, in uh, Macomb County, a lot of the suburbs that just couldn't get a vaccine. And we knew when Ford Field was set up, it was going to be an overwhelming suburban operation uh, and that most Detroiters would choose to stay in their car and be more convenient. So what are your thoughts about the percentage of Detroiters who have gotten vaccinated and where are we now in terms of trying to convince the, the, uh, the holdouts? You know, about a third of Detroiters uh, have been vaccinated, and uh, it is extremely convenient for any uh, resident of this city that wants a vaccine, has been for a while. So we have drive-up sites with appointments, drive-up sites without appointments, walk-up sites with appointments, walk-up sites without appointments uh, all over the city. And uh, residents uh, know that they're there. We continue to do education, and uh, people are making their choices. Do you think that the longer this is going along now that people aren't getting sicker reactions that more Detroiters now will come out? I mean, because people I talk to, they're still like waiting just to see. But do you think we're at the time limit now where people see that 99.99% are you know healthy from this? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're approaching 200,000 Detroiters getting a shot. And of course, 150 million people nationally. I mean, it's amazing numbers. And uh, uh People are, you can see it when they're getting vaccinated, uh, they almost surely won't get COVID at all. And the small number who do get very mild cases, we're not having people die uh, from COVID. Uh, we're not having people uh, hospitalized from COVID after they've been uh, fully vaccinated. And so uh, we've seen an uptick the last couple of days in appointments. Uh, but my responsibility is make sure it's available at every corner of the city with or without an appointment. And that's what we've done. What do you think works uh, to get people who are on the fence to actually get the vaccine? I mean, there's ad campaigns, there's individual, you know, famous people doing it. There's incentives. There's the gift cards. You've tried some of these things. There's the million dollar lottery or whatever they're doing down in Ohio where, you know, five people can win a million bucks if, if you go and, and sign up. What, what do you think actually works? I think at this point, pretty much everybody who's coming in to get one is because somebody in their life cares about them uh, and convinced them to do it. Uh, but if you, if you talk to the folks coming through today, it's my sister got on me and said, I need to do this. It's my next door neighbor told me how easy this is. It's my coworker who said, I need uh, to do this. And so at this point, it's people who care about people uh, uh, convincing uh, their friends, neighbors, family members to overcome the hesitancy. Uh, and we've got a, a steady stream of folks getting vaccinated every day. So it's not the fear of dying. Of course, our elderly have been vaccinated in very high percentages. Uh, but we've also had people in their 30s and 40s die in the last month. And it, it's heartbreaking to see that 
you know, there are funerals for folks uh, who had vaccines available on 24 hours notice and, uh, and didn't use them. But uh, if you, there's somebody in your life who hasn't been vaccinated and you care about them, uh, you know, encourage them. And in Detroit, if you drive them, we'll give you a $50 gift card when you get there. Well, hey, $50 gift card's not bad. Mm-hmm. The million-dollar prize in Ohio is intriguing. <laughs> I, I am yeah. curious to see if that works <laughs> by getting yeah. people. Now, will we keep these, uh, I, I mean, you know, CBSs and places like that, okay, but will we keep the efforts in Detroit open indefinitely? I mean, are, you gonna, are we going to be having the same conversation eight months from now? Like, you can go anywhere. We've got all these sites set up. Because that's got to cost the city money, uh, to operate and, and it's got to, to, to administrate has to be difficult. And if you're getting a trickle of people just getting their vaccines, does it eventually fold into, well, you got to go to a drugstore or you got to go to your local doctor because the city just can't keep offering these things? Well, the federal government funds it, whether it's at the, the city, whether it's at your doctor's office, whether it's at the drugstore, the federal government's funding all the vaccines. So that's not a question of money. Uh, but there was a point at which uh, when, you know, we were vaccinating three, four thousand people a day. You can't do that at a CVS. You, you get 100 people in there and their business is all shut down. So we needed the mass vaccination sites uh, in the early months. But I do think you'll evolve in the near future uh, to uh, sites at your doctor's office, at your drugstore uh, in, and maybe at rec centers. Uh, and that'll be long term. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if if next uh, October, and November, we aren't saying to folks, as we do in a flu shot, uh, come in and get your updated shot for the strains that have developed uh, over the last year. At some point, and I, you probably don't remember this, but in 2009, we had a much milder version of the H1N1 right. um, outbreak. Within a year or two, the H1N1 vaccine has been uh, merged in with the flu vaccine and you get a single flu shot that takes care of everything. My guess is in a year or two, uh, the COVID shot, the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine will be one and the same. uh, And and you'll get uh, something that will prevent your infection from a range of things. Do you think the city come summertime, which is right around the corner here, I mean, about a month from now, uh, and I know that President Biden kind of identified Independence Day weekend as a, as a target for hitting a certain number and all that. But do you think that summer in Detroit will be back full bore? Will we have concerts? Will we have festivals? Will we uh, are we going to see our, 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 our shops and, and, and everything you know opened and, and most people accepting the, what the CDC guideline was that, uh, you know, unless you feel worried about it yourself, and you want to wear a mask, you don't need to. What are you, what are you seeing for the yeah, summer? Yeah, I think that's where it'll go. The shops, restaurants, for sure. I think the offices, uh, for sure, will open in the coming weeks. And uh, people who haven't been vaccinated should wear a mask. But people who have been vaccinated, there will some who want to wear the mask for comfort, and they should be uh, perfectly free to do that. But I, I'm guessing within a few weeks, you will go into a store and see half the people with masks and half the people without. And after a while, we'll just get used to that. Are we going to sanction, you know, festivals at uh, down on the you know, waterfront? I have not like heard that? any conversation about that. You start packing that many people into a tight space, uh, you're you're inviting problems. So I don't know uh, what the timing will be on that. I see at Comerica Park now, uh, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to, but they're also not letting large numbers in. 
so, you know, that that um, guidance will come uh, from the governor. But I doubt you're going to see big crowds packed in uh, in the coming weeks. So the Jazz Fest and things like that, that's just not going to happen this year? Jazz Fest in September, that's that's a ways away. I wouldn't predict that far out, but I would say over the next month or two, I don't see big crowds packed in. Okay. We've been trying to determine if we should be doing Eat Detroit again uh, this summer. You know, we had we had bagged it, and then we bagged it last year, and then we had bagged it for this year, and then we kind of unpacked it. Then we put it back in the, <laughs> in the bag. Then we unpacked it again, and uh, we could do it in August or September. Uh, but, um, you know, it's going to, we're going to have to sort of read the compass and see how the wind blows on that. Yeah. I would think by August, uh, you'd have a good chance at success and it's something that you had to have a specific conversation with our health department about, but I, I really think by August we are going to be normal. Um, you know, maybe not, maybe not, you know, 60,000 people at the football game, but, uh, but I think we will for all practical purposes be normal. Yeah, well, if you've seen the Lions team this year, and sixty thousand people, I'm probably not going to come watch yeah. that anyhow. <laughs> you don't believe in Campbell? I I believe that he will be a good coach in time, but this year is going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a tough <laughs> one this year. Yeah. Uh, Mayor Duggan, it's always great to have you on, and thank you for uh, making the technical effort to uh, join us. You sound great on this thing, by the way. We should do this all the time. Sounds like we're just sitting a couple inches apart. So, of course, we wouldn't because I'd have to have a mask on. But, <laughs> but uh, we I, always I've appreciate. I've been vaccinated. It. We actually could sit together. I, I've been vaccinated too. We could. All right. There well, maybe Yay. by maybe by next month we will. Who knows? I'll be, yeah. be glad to do it in the studio next month. All right. Thanks. Always great talking to you. Thank you. Take care.